Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Well, hello and welcome to this week's Countryside with Kiri Komodo and myself, Simon Clark. And in this week's programme, we'll have a chat about the, the trying weather that it's been here in the Isle of Man, particularly for the farming industry at this dodgy sort of time of year, isn't it, where people are just starting to lamb and, you know, the, you know whether they're trying to get, you know, feed, you know, the winter feed is running a little bit shorter and summer maybe trying to get, you know, outside with things. That's right, it is. It's a really testing time. And like you say, feed is running down. People are hoping to get cattle out, but this cold St. Bell has really burnt the grass off and or what grass was there anyway. But uh, it's been a long old winter this time. It just seemed to have gone on forever. And, uh, yeah, people are just about to start lambing, so let's hope it's out of the way for a good spring now. Yeah, and also uh, you were at the Breder Stedford, uh, plenty of entertainment as always. Oh, it's such a brilliant night out, it is. Going from nearly over 70 years now, and uh, so many people in attendance on such a horrible cold night, um, young and old, all taking part, and all there for for a good laugh and a brilliant night of entertainment. Yeah, and I catch up with Tim Baker, MHK, uh, who is uh, heavily involved in the new committee um, that's going to run the Isle of Man meat plant here on the Isle of Man and uh, find out what uh, hope, what they're hoping to achieve. Uh, the committee they've got set up, obviously with people from varying areas of, uh, you know, con- contrib- that are going to contribute to it. So um, he's got some, some very positive news on that in this week's programme. It's always good news when it's positive and hopefully, you know, things will come right for it. But uh, it's got to get a bit of motion behind it because, you know, spring's fast approaching and, yeah, these animals are still here, so let's hope that they get something done soon. Mm, there we go. Well, let's listen to it all in full here on this week's Countryside. Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Kerry, you've made it here. You're looking a bit shattered. It's been one of them weeks, hasn't it, uh, on the, the world of the farm and industry? It really has. They forecast it right. The beast from the east, and my golly, did it deliver. Frozen pipes and and just that icy snow that covered all the grass as well. It just made hard work for everyone, didn't it? Yeah, and you just hear stories. For, I know it inconvenienced a lot of people with work, the snow showers and you know trying to get to places things were called off travel was disrupted but you know i've seen a a beautiful thing on facebook that said no no farmers phone in sick they were out there keeping their stock away from the from the freezing winds and the it's not just the snow is it it's the freezing winds some people have started lambing that's right there's only a few started lambing thankfully it's come before the main bulk of it but ourselves at home trying to get the sheep and lambs in against the hedge before the we lost the daylight to hope that they'd you know stay there for the night while you didn't know what was coming did you you know there was one minute it was a big shower come past and then it would dry up a little bit but by golly it was cold and that uh, frozen pipe stopping the water to anything that's indoors, the dairy farmers especially as well, trying to defrost them pipes. It was a hard week. Yeah, and, and you had to resort to putting hose pipes in through the windows of the house, didn't you? To... That's right, yeah. We were um, we got one of those fancy taps that didn't really adapt too well to the hose pipe, but it's amazing what you can do when you need to. And yeah, the, the polytunnel there had just about 250 sheep in it, and you'd think it would keep enough heat to keep the pipes from freezing. And no, it was frozen. Even the even the little water buckets in the pens had a skin of ice over them. It was, it was an incredible few yeah, days. And them stories as well, here on the island in particular, of dairy farmers 
obviously there's so much machinery and water going around, milking parlours, and some of them were desperately trying to get pipes unfrozen, like you said before. And, and people who don't know much about it will say, well, the cows will, will wait another day. Well, no, they don't, because if they start leaking milk, they get open to diseases and things then, don't they? Well, this is it. You don't realise how how essential water is, and even for the washing down after doing the jobs and keeping everything sterile and clean, it's it's un, untold damage what the uh, elements can do. But these farmers, they battle through it, and uh, all being well, everyone's come out the other side now. It's finally got to a, a happy one degree. <laughs> yeah, and really, some of the uh, people as well uh, eventually got their water going and things like that to, to wash everything down. But, of course, it was that cold for that spell um, the the water was freezing over cows and cattle were slipping on that and that was such a worry for them as well so it's been a really traumatic time for the for the particularly the agricultural industry hasn't it it really has but not only that it is nice to see uh, the support that the lorry drivers were getting across in the UK in particular trying to get the fresh food and vegetables into the supermarkets you know here on the island if the boat doesn't come in you know we do have a few empty shelves but across that was their first experience not being able to get the food in the shops and maybe it's just made people more aware of what people do to get food to the tables can it's the Manx panic. I can never believe it, can you? They think the world's going to end. Hey? Gosh. <laughs> this is true. You'll survive on something, won't you? Definitely. Get a raw turnip in you from the field or something. <laughs> right, let's uh, move on. But, of course, uh, talking about agriculture, uh, one of the talking points has been uh, the meat plant here on the Isle of Man. Well, there's been a new conglomerate of people from different areas of various industries uh, with different knowledges in uh, the promotion of goods the agricultural advisory side of things the Isle of Man fat stock side and government as well and uh, one of the members who is uh, chairman of it is Tim Baker MHK and I caught up with him the first good news was though the meat plant's still open absolutely yes and uh, you know it's going to stay open what is the, the latest news on it? We uh, communicated to the industry back in December that the way forward was for a new company, which at the time was being referred to as Opco, to take over the, uh, the operation of the meat plant on the back of the tender process having drawn a blank. That's moved forward uh, over the uh, three months since then. A little bit slower than I would have liked, to be honest, Simon, but um, we've got the, com- the company set up, its board is, is appointed, it's been doing a lot of work behind the scenes whilst the transfer agreement to transfer the business from the FMA into uh, the new company, which is now known as uh, Isle of Man Meat Company Limited, whilst that is, is completed. And that's quite a complex legal legal process due to the nature of of the transaction. We're pretty close to uh, to concluding that now. We're talking matter matter of days away, and that's going to allow us to... Uh, then put in place the new pricing and new procurement arrangements and um, start delivering on some of the promises that we've made. The board itself, got a, a good variety of people on the board now. It has, yes. I mean, um, we've, uh, we've consciously tried to make sure that we've got the right people in place because it's all about leadership and direction. And if, you, if you've got the right people, it gives yourself a chance of success. So uh, I've been asked to, uh, to, to chair the board, uh, which I'm doing. We've got an FMA rep and also a DEFA rep, Peter McAvoy, the Director of Agriculture, on board. We've got uh, Andy McDonald, who's well known to the uh, local farming community, now based in Scotland, but he's, uh, he, he's on the board to bring specialist um, agricultural experience and the view from slightly slightly wider field. We've got Andy Lees, well known for his work with DEFA and uh, DED in terms of food matter strategy. 
Before that, he he, he uh, managed the Tesco store in Douglas, and uh, he's been seconded in to uh, basically run the business on a turnaround basis for a period of time. He's all about delivery and, and, and making things happen. And then um, Robin Bromley Martin, who brings a wealth of experience from uh, from wider business sectors and uh, an understanding of, of, of island economies from his background in the Isle of Wight and Jersey, and a real passion and belief in, in, in the future of Manx food as a, as a niche value-added product. What's the first step once all the legal process gets done then? I mean, the things changed instantly just about? Well, the first the first thing, Simon, and this will be what everybody in the farming community wants to see, is is the new pricing structure going in. Going up, I hope. It, it is absolutely going up. Yes, we're we're, we're basing it on a, on a on a UK AHDB price base price, uh, with a deduction for the cost of getting the the carcass from here to the UK. Equally importantly, we're uh, we've adopted a grid which is uh, very similar to uh, standard uh, UK processors grids which um, has uh, a lot less differential between the sweet spots and uh, some of the more uh, peripheral categorizations of, 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 of the animals. So uh, one of the big issues that farmers were, were very clear about was that uh, not only was price an issue, but it was also the discrepancy between the grids that were in the sweet spot and those that weren't. And um, that uh, made it a, a very much a gamble. They didn't have any confidence that the pricing they were going to get was... Uh, was what they were hoping for, and um, you know it makes it very difficult for for people to make uh, make clear decisions. Yeah, and it's one thing the farmers are always when they get their results back. Sometimes they say, "Hey, how are my animals only this grade?" and they looked absolutely perfect. And I suppose it is a, a tricky area, that isn't it? Yes, I mean, you know, it's certainly not my area of expertise, but um, it's difficult to necessarily guarantee what a grade's going to be from, from a live animal to a, to a dead animal. And um, certainly there was uh, a, lot of, um, a lot of questioning going on about whether the gradings on, on the island were, as, uh, were, were consistent with how animals were graded in the UK. So hopefully we can, um, we can address that. But the key thing is, if the price differential between different grades is not as significant then then actually if an animal falls into uh, one one classification rather than another it, it doesn't matter quite so much to the farmer because at the end of the day it's about the economic return that's 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 crucial to the farmer and um, the whole strategy is about boosting the uh, the economic return to the industry and, and the new pricing structure we estimate will be worth about a million pound a year injection of, of, of additional cash into the into the industry are you confident that the board can save that or market that to recoup that difference the strategy has been based on on DEFA finding that that additional money. Obviously, what we've got to do is make sure that the performance of the business improves, so that um, that that's not an additional million pound every, every every single year. There's only two ways to do that. One is to either cost cut your way out of that, or the second is to sell and market your way out of it. Now, there are efficiencies to be had in the plant, and the new management structure of the board and the management strengthening that we're we're going to bring in will achieve efficiencies but actually we've got to be far better at marketing and selling selling the product additional volume coming through will will help uh, can, can i just talk about the the export side of it is it what is that percentage roughly at the moment if any idea what what is the much or not very much that goes off the island to maybe you know supply supermarkets off island there is a proportion of the uh, of, of the meat that's coming through the meat plant that uh, that is going across to the uk but it's not really getting to the premium supermarket end of the market it's tending to uh, go into more secondary secondary markets because 
we haven't got the, uh, the relationships and the route to market and the packaging that you need to get into people like your Sainsbury's and your, and, and, and your, and your Asda's and your Aldi's. So it's, it's not reaching those, those markets where, we, where the volume and the opportunities are. And of course, there's a lot of animals that, that, are, that are being live shipped, which may well be ending up in, in, in UK supermarkets through the major processors, the Dumbiers, uh, etc. Of course, they're not coming through the, through the meat plant. And the strategy around getting the pricing right is to, is to, is to bring more animals through, through the meat plant, but still leaving live shipping as, a, as an option for, for those who uh, feel that that's the right route to market for, for their animals. Is that sort of in the, in the way you mentioned about the throughput of the plant, is that the option where maybe you know, they're snowed under with stuff at the moment because of the decent prices, people have still got the option to, to find a route themselves, but is that what you want? What we're fundamentally about is, is delivering a better outcome to the, uh, to the farming community and, and realistically it's going to take time to build the capacity and capability of, of the Alamo Meat Company up. So in the short term we haven't got a magic wand to wave, we're going to need to build our customer uh, relationships and build our sales opportunities so it's going to be a, a gradual improvement rather than an overnight flicking a switch. But we need to build the confidence so that when, peop- when farmers are making decisions, uh, such as whether to uh, finish cattle on the island or whether to ship them as, as stores, they're, they're confident that actually there is, in, in six months or a year's time, going to be a good market through, through the meat plant for, for their animals. And we've got to break this downward spiral that we've, that we've got ourselves into and start to build back. And as long as we can demonstrate that we're moving in the right direction, I believe that government and, and DEFA will support the ongoing direction that we're that we're moving in and I'm very confident from what I've seen and with the people that we've got assembled on the board together with some management um, strengthening that we're going to be doing we've we've already put some adverts out for uh, a plant manager role and for a sales commercial role which are integral to actually building the capability and capacity of the uh, of the business so I am confident and, and the key thing is to, sh- is to demonstrate that and, and, and the first thing is to get the pricing in start to build the volume and uh, for people to start getting a bit more confident. How cutthroat, excuse the expression, is it, or how difficult would it be get to get to the big supermarkets in, in off-island? I think it is possible. We've got a good product here in, in, in Manx Meat. What we've got to do is make sure that, that the attributes of that product are, are clearly understood by the marketplace, and that we are, as an organisation, uh, we are operating in a way which makes it easy to actually meet their requirements. So, you know, major supermarkets are very exacting in the, in the standards that they require. They've got a very clear specification of what they want, and we have to deliver against that. In the same way as any successful business has to meet its customers' requirements. We've got things to do to the business to, to uh, enable us to deliver to their requirements, but it may well be that actually we end up working with partner organisations to actually uh, perhaps package the, uh, the material or uh, to market it. These are options that are open to us at the moment and, and, and um, those who attended the industry meeting in December will recall us referring to strategic partnerships. That's very much part of, of our thinking. We don't necessarily have to do everything ourselves. What we've got to do is make sure all the building blocks are in place for the effective supply chain from the farmer through the meat plant to the end consumer. Tim Baker, MHK chairman of the new committee set up for the running off the Isle of Man meat plant here on the Isle of Man and we wish him well with that and certainly that's one thing I'll say about uh, Mr Baker, Kerry, certainly enthusiastic about it and just wants to try his best to, to 
do something. And it's nice, I think, that they're bringing in a wide vision of different areas, people with expertise in, in different places, um, maybe that can look from outside the farming point of view at times. It is great how positive Tim is, and he has been from the outset, so all being well, that positivity will rub off and you know they can come to some kind of conclusion. But if they're coming from a different angle, aren't they, with all these different people that are bringing on the board this time? So all being well, surely something's got to come Well, the it. prices are going to go up for the farmers, so that should stop the live transportation of them, certainly. So that's a, a leap forward to start with them go from there isn't it it's a starting point anyway well that's exactly right simon farmers are, are market driven and they're going to go where the best price is and if the isle of man meat company is putting a good price out then the animals will stay on this island indeed manx radio's countryside is brought to you by nfu mutual well one of the popular country events uh, over many years now and it's uh, really had some Serious and some less serious acts that have appeared on the stage at the Braid Hall. Uh, the Braid of Stedford, Kerry, you were there. That's right. The Braid Hall has just celebrated its 80th year. Really? Just last October. And uh, I believe this is, it's been going, the Stedford's been going for over 70 years. And it was really well supported, as always. Despite the cold, horrible spell of weather we've had, everyone turned out for it. And I went along to catch up with some of the people in attendance on the night. Alan Wilcox, you've got a very difficult job here tonight. Music adjudicator. Music adjudicator. Never at the, at the Braid of Stedford. Well, who would have thought it? How much more power do you want? Exactly. And what a brilliant turnout again, Alan. Absolutely. Considering the weather and the way it's been, it's incredible to see as many people here. And they're all taking part too. That's right. A lot of people taking part. I thought for a while, you know, earlier on, like yesterday and last night, they might have to call it off, but luckily the weather changed, and uh, here they are. I mean, it's a wonderful house. There's not a spare seat. There's not one, is it's it? A... So what makes the Braid of Stedford that much different to any other event that seems to be going on at the minute? I think it's the manxness of it all. People don't mind if you in sort of say the, give them a, pull their legs. <laughs> they expect it. And you can see certain people, not that there's many here tonight, who actually stick their head up to make sure they're mentioned. <laughs> That is, that's very true, isn't it? And even Phil Gorn. That's right. Well, I mean, look at the flack he's had tonight. And he lo- he's, he's played this part the whole way, and so has his wife, Annie. No. You know. What do you look for, Alan, in, in the performances? As a music adjudicator, you've had so far the, the men's solos and the instrumental class. Entertainment. You can't beat a person doing their best. That's all you can ask of anybody. Not everybody is professional, if you like, but there are those who get up and are prepared to do it, and they love doing it, and that's what it's all about. And that instrumental class in particular, young people. Oh, Oh, I know, they were terrific, weren't they? Really good. And the little girl doing the dance. I mean, dear Lord, it was incredible. But the other new thing for the braid tonight, Alan, the bagpipes. I never heard them before. And I mean, she, I don't know how long she's been playing them. Incredible, wasn't it? Absolutely brilliant. And we've got so much more to come as well tonight. Oh, we're, only halfway through, we're not halfway through yet. It's, well, it's only half past ten, half past nine. We're all right for time. <laughs> right. We'd be lucky to get home the same day as we left. <laughs> but, but the braid, it's been going for over 70 years now, the Stedford. It's been going a long time, a long time. And I don't know when I first came out here, but... 
It must have been in the 70s when I first came out here adjudicating at the braid. And it, it isn't getting any less popular. No, People say that these Manx dues might die out. I don't think they will. Certain ones will, but provided you've still got people willing to take part. And provided you've got well, people like Graham, who are fine ballads, so, you know, one of the best singers in the Isle of Man, prepared to get up and sing. Even with a cold, he said he had a bad, which he did. Didn't mind, get up and do it. And that's exactly what it's about. But I do see that you and the organisers and, and whoever else get the braid here, you will adapt the classes oh, yes. if there's oh, something yeah. a little extra <laughs> or a different type of talent turns up on oh, yes. the night. That's right, yeah. You've got to play it by ear. And if necessary, give everybody a prize. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, I'll let you get back to your right. supper, Alan. Right. Lovely no job. Tilbury, you were one of the judges here tonight at the Braid. What were you judging? I was judging the literary <laughs> items. We had trouble saying literacy. Anyway, I was judging the poems and the humorous story and the quiz and all things that speak. I tell you what, there were some creative stories being told up there tonight and they brought the house down. They did. Well, what were you looking for in particular with each of your sections? Well, I'm not an expert in anything like that, but I usually go for something that entertains me. And um, some people do very um, complicated things, which I don't really understand, but I admire them because they're sort of like a great work of art or something. But from my point of view, the main thing is, have they entertained me? And that's all you can do, really, and it's a matter of taste. So you've just got to go by your own instincts and hope that you don't... Ups but I generally give everybody a prize and then you don't <laughs> upset anybody. This is true, but from six years old, they're on that stage tonight. Manx language was throughout the evening. I know. It's just the, it's the variety, isn't it? It is the variety, but one outstanding performance to, for me tonight was Annie Kizik with her Kurt Michael players. And I just thought that was superb. She sort of just demonstrated what an actress she is. And she was, the Manx dialect was great. And it really sort of, uh, you know, I thought it deserved a distinction. If there was a distinction tonight, <laughs> she got it. What was, who was your standout act other than Annie? Well, um, there was a little chap here called James who played the ukulele. And he just got up and he just played this ukulele and played this song that was my grandmother's favourite. And I just thought he he had such a sweet voice. And, um, you know, I just thought, I've never seen him in my life before, but I just thought he was very special. And he took away tonight the under-21s, the new trophy. The new trophy from Eric Goldie. And Eric would have been very pr proud, you know, that I think he, somebody must have sent him because there's this wonderful new trophy that Eric's presented to the break committee for an under-21 performance. And we all decided unanimously that it should go to Jameis and uh, Jameis O'Connell, his name was. So if you're out and about, he's one to watch. Yeah. It's a full this team is, it's a effort, though, Dartford. But we've got a great committee at the Braid, and you know we all muck in, and um, you know it's just a great team. Great teamwork. Chris, yet another fabulous turnout here at the Braid of Steadford. Oh yes, I must say, Kerry, I was getting very worried, you know, earlier on this week when the 
weather was so poor and there was snow forecast for yesterday and I thought, oh dear, there's going to be nobody hardly at the Braid Hall. We'll be welcoming the few people who turn up, having supper and going home very early. But as you can see, the hall is full as usual and with some different faces as well. There's quite a lot of events on this evening which have kept some of our regulars away, but it's always good to encourage new people here. And there were some new performers to the Braid tonight. There have been already and I'm sure before the night is out there'll be a few more as well. Most certainly. Yes. So this this event, Chris, was once for just music and poetry, but it's, it's kind of been adapted over the years to, oh, to today's event, which is unbelievable. I, I suppose diversify is the, <laughs> the word that people use these days on things. And the likes of the Manx Music Festival have had to change in recent years. And um, the, the Braid has done likewise, because we're the last surviving as Stedford on the Isle of Man. And, um, you know, if we have to adapt to keep people coming well we're very welcome to encourage people along each year and we're very pleased to adapt things to um, get them along somebody's been mentioning to me that we haven't had an unpunctuated reading this year and it's about three or four years since we've had one so maybe we'll include that in the program next year but there's there's various things come and go the likes of there's always the last item is a choir and i don't whether we've ever had a choir up here certainly all the years i've been coming nearly 40 years but it's always there, so we normally grab everybody who's taken part during the evening up on the stage at the end to sing Alan Vannon. So, you know, you, you just keep these things going, that's the important thing. Well, this is it, and the hall celebrated its 80th birthday there last that's October. Right. Yes, yes, and it's in very good nick, it's been very well cared for. And um, an awful lot of halls these days don't have a stage anymore, but luckily the Braid have kept their stage. And as has been proved tonight, lots of people are willing to get up and perform on it as well, which is very good. And as I was saying to Alan earlier, a lot of young talent come here as well. Oh yes, it's it's a good grounding. But that must be the success of the Braid, is that willingness to change and encourage new people to take part. Oh yes, yes. And we know that, that people get adjudicated on, but it's, it's nothing too serious. Hopefully people might get helpful hints on what they should or shouldn't do if they're singing or reciting. But at the same time, it's all done with, with a bit of kindness and a bit of fun. There's nothing nasty at all. Well, especially when you've got Dot Tilbury in charge as well. Where, oh, yes, yes. When, when Dot, she's going to run away with me cup of tea now and I'm not finished drinking it. But, um, oh no, the, the likes of Alan and Dot and Wendy, very accomplished people in their own field. and um, But they're willing to come and give up their time and give a few pointers to people on how they could maybe improve their performance and that's great really That was Chris Lyon the chairman, Alan Wilcox the music adjudicator, Dot Tilbury the literacy adjudicator of the Braid of Stedford I'm not sure all of that judging panel will be invited to uh participate the adjudication at the Isle of Man Music Festival or Guild, will they? I'm not so sure, but the entertainment in their feedback to some of the competitors was absolutely brilliant. But what a great platform for the people that are going to attend the Guild to practice. Yeah, it's the nice thing about it is that there are some beautiful singing, some beautiful reading and everything in there, but it's performed in a in an easy sort of environment, if I can put it like that, isn't it? I think don't think there's any need for the people taking part, the younger ones, to be nervous. Oh, absolutely yeah. not. No, it was a real homely environment. And, and there are some of the little ones, six years old, was a little girl there doing some dancing, Manx dancing, and another little girl reciting a poem in Manx as well. It was it was really, really fantastic. Well, did you get... Uh 
rallied in to appear on the stage yourself? No, no. no. Uh, Dot was awfully disappointed with me not uh, having a story to tell in the in the stump speech, but uh, she she dragged Dan up to do her piece about the brolly dollies, and my golly, was that entertaining! <laughs> was it fit to broadcast? It just about. Okay, <laughs> Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, there, some positive news from Tim Baker in the middle of that from uh, the new committee set up to run the Isle of Man meat plant, Kerry. Positive news is always welcome, Simon, so let's hope they do get things in the right direction and pretty sharpish. All right, fair enough. And uh, But the Braider Steadford, uh, a very successful late night by the sound of it as well, but the saw was missing. Yes, we did miss Eric Goldie and his saw, but he did put up a lovely cup for an under-21 performance and uh, that went to a lovely performance in a ukulele by James O'Connell. Really, and it's great that the young ones get that little stage to to perform in, and because because you think of it as um, you know whether it's more nerve wracking uh, being on the Gaiety or the or the Villa Marina stage, and you think oh well it's only the Braid Hall you know with the however many people in it but i suppose you're so close to the action but they're they're so encouraged which is the great thing isn't it and uh, a lot of them ones who who appeared on the braid instead for this week this year a lot of them in the past have been there and gone on to big things haven't they? that's right they've gone on to be you know guild medal winners and all the rest of it but they still come back to the braid and still perform in this smaller you know homely traditional events which is always brilliant to see isn't it uh, we'll have to get there and do a double act next year oh my <laughs> we'll leave it there then for this week's countryside hope you've enjoyed it we're back next week with more so from me Simon Clark and me Kiri Kermode we'll see you then bye 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 don't sit in the slow lane join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all new super fast plus broadband enjoy more bandwidth amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month so don't be left behind get a piece of the high speed action with super fast plus broadband from Shaw for details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shore.com. Love being sure. Terms and conditions apply.